One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Autocar podcast, My Week in Cars, featuring me, Matt Pryor. I'm Autocar's editor at large and the editor-in-chief, Stephen Cropley. Hello, Steve. Hello, Matt. So 13, eh? 13. Let's hope it's not too unlucky. No, exactly. Well, we are here every week and over the next half an hour or so, Steve and I are going to be expanding on our respective Autocar columns, which means... Things are a bit different this week, aren't they? Because it, the Christmas double issue, the first of two Christmas double issues, is out Wednesday the 7th. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on sale Wednesday the 7th and 14th. And then there's another Christmas double, which is on sale 21st and 28th. Yeah. So that's your autocar schedule. However, Steve and I are here every week, regardless. Amazing. Which means we don't have columns to discuss on some weeks. So we'll find something else. Well, letters would be good, wouldn't they? Letters would be good. Yeah, letters would be very good, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yes, so the Christmas first Christmas double that's out this week, as we speak, the 7th and 14th issue, is on sale for a fortnight. That's got the Christmas road test, loads of Christmas features. Your column is a spread on your sort of your year in cars, isn't it, rather than your week in cars. And the second Christmas double has got the road test yearbook and some other sort of sum up stuff so we'll be have you got a normal column in that or do you know do you know i think it's a normal column but yeah. sometimes i'd rattle on about the people i liked during the year but um i, I haven't had my instructions for the uh no, for the next one yet no not me i think mine's i think mine's normal but i'll do the i think i for the last one of the year i usually sort of unload my notebook of things that i haven't put in columns so far that i haven't got round to or they're too complicated or they're too long or i just too boring and i just get to get just goes out the way Start with a new, uh, start with a new notebook clean in the new year. So, as Steve says, you can write to us at autocar at haymarket dot com on the email. I'd be very grateful if you did. Stephen Marvin has done that on the subject of uh, Euro Seven emissions regulations that we talked about last week. Stephen says, I work in the industry. Steve lives in France, and uh, would like to 
and talk about your interpretation on Euro 7 regulations, which at first glance seems rather easy to comply with. If you look at the extended use case, it seems to Steve and some of his colleagues, he is an automotive engineer, it seems practically impossible, he says. So Euro 7 is a tightening set of emissions regs, isn't it? It covers all kinds of yeah. things. So as Steve says, the extended use case requires you to be able to drive at 1800 metres altitude at minus seven degrees centigrade with unlimited gradient, towing and accelerating as much as possible up to 160 kph. And you have to respect 1.6 times the nominal limits. I don't quite know what that bit meant, but that's the nominal limits of... Anyway, anyway, it's this case that will set the technical specification needed and it will be nearly impossible because it mainly states any conditions. Um, it's a super risky set of legislation that risks accelerating the end of internal combustion cars, so Steve. It seems quite... so balmy, doesn't it? Yeah, because, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Because we yeah. are... I think the, the move towards electrification is well and truly established. Mm. Uh, if anything, the, the suppliers of electric cars and, and for that matter, hybrids are, are not able to meet the demand. There's a there's a big problem with, um, uh, you know, the the governments that make cobalt and nickel, etc., that make batteries. Mm. So I, I just don't see why we're why we're pursuing the um, the ice car quite so assiduously, especially when pollution in in the in the places where it counts uh, tends to be created by you know cars from the i don't know 10 years ago that yeah. that just weren't as clean as yeah. you know you know why not put it down allow that money to be to be deployed for for modern purposes you know rather than i i i think i was saying to you before that i think the my concern is that the the authority seem to be motivated more by spite than a desire to yeah. uh, to, to, to do a sensible job. Mm. And I, I hate that feeling. I, uh, it's a bit like traffic, which we I think we're also going to get onto. <laughs> yes, we may, we'll do later. Yeah, and it, ju it, it just strikes me that cars are, like you say, in this case, you would add so much complexity, so much cost to a new car, that actually somebody will just stay in an old one, which yeah. doesn't improve air quality at all. You well, and also... If somebody the... was moving to a Euro 6 compliant car, which is pretty clean, that, will, that might well improve things. But if you're forcing somebody to stay in something older, that's not necessarily going to be... Yeah, and the thing we know is that the profit margins on cars that the industry knows how to make are necessary to, to fund the bold new future, yeah. aren't they? So that they have to stay profitable or at least solvent. Yeah. So scuppering the, the, the last few cars that they might make a profit on seems damn silly to me. Yeah. And, and the, it's already set the pathway to electrification is set isn't it so it's not like yeah it's not like if you don't have euro 7 coming in so quickly that you will suddenly get and you will suddenly get a, a large number of internal combustion cars unleashed that you couldn't you know the supply is limited regardless you yeah know, and the path is set so i don't know making making it near impossible i did ask steve whether it uh would be easier for a range extended hybrid phev to meet these conditions because of course you don't have the changing load on the axle straight through to the drivetrain per se you know you're just charging a battery yeah and he said that would that may be easier but it depends on the conditions of the you know you've got to have a long enough range in the phev system and a big enough oomph from your electric motors and stuff yeah. anyway but you do get the feeling that somebody needs to stack stand back 20 yards and just look at the whole situation mm. and what the what their objectives really are mm. rather than get involved in a lot of meaningless minutiae yeah yeah I mean, does the does the 
extra equipment you will need actually create more uh, CO2 than you will ever actually, or emissions than you will ever actually save. Yeah, from cars heavier, car brakes bigger. Yeah. yeah. But we need to get on uh, to happier subjects because well, it's the festive we? season. It is the festive <laughs> season. Ho, ho, bleeding ho. All right, so let's talk about your column. Oh, thank you. By the way, Steve, we'll send you a mug. If you um, drop me your address, mate, I'll send you a mug in the post. Uh, they have started to go out this week, by the way. I think oh, I finally okay. got round to going through my How nice. Christmas presents to send them out. So, yeah. Um, anyway, yes, on a festive note, then let's take. Uh, your column, which is, well, I mean, it hasn't got a name over a year in cars, but that's kind of how it feels, isn't it? It sort of focuses on various stuff. It's uh, also only available in the mag. So. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed doing it. It was, mm. it's, it's crazy. I spent a whole night going through the contents of my phone camera, yeah, which is my diary, mm. and uh, just choosing pictures. And it, and as usual, I. I finish up with about 40 that were absolutely essential to publish and <laughs> yeah of course the, the lady that designs a page said we can we can do you 18 mate you know <laughs> so so get serious get serious well let's should we talk about some that we've some cars that we've talked less about on sure. the pod for the last few weeks few weeks 13 weeks uh, such as i don't think we've talked at all about gordon murray's t33 or no. possibly the T50 either, I'm not sure we've talked about. So he's got two supercars coming, hasn't he? A, a yeah, one's the fan car, which is the, which is the sort of... Um, <clears throat> the T50, which is the, which is the sort of true antecedent, the true, um, you know, follower of the McLaren F1. Mm-hmm. Same size, weight, fan car, better. Um, he's, he would say that he's done a better job of employing downforce with a fan than, than ever before. All sorts of clever stuff, but still a manual gearbox, still a central seat, you know, um, extremely lightweight, mm. fantastic performance. Weighs just about the same as my Alpine, which is, when you consider it's got a, a mighty V12 and all the other gubbins, it's a fantastic achievement. It is impressive, actually, isn't it? It is. Because it's got to be slightly bigger than the Alpine. Not much, I, I don't think. think. Not much. A bit bigger, yeah, I think, yeah. But, but, but not bad. He, he drives an Alpine, you know, mm. he, so he... It was his, you know, he, he used to go around in a smart roadster until oh, he no. found something. Yeah, yeah. so he found a, something finally, finally to equip, yes, to equate to it. It didn't sort of offend his sensibilities yeah. over the weight. I love that. I love a smart roadster. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're uh, oh, so achingly close to being a brilliant car. That gearbox, because it's got that automated manual that I never quite got on with. No. Not an automated manual. Uh, well, yes, it well, is it an automated manual. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, and, but uh, beyond that, I'd love to have one but I think I, I think I remember Gordon saying that the you know at a certain age the spots welds start to go a bit and it starts to creak a bit and feel a bit old yeah but it's nice that he's got a apparently the, the um somebody told me <clears throat> Gary Axon the you know who you see at Goodwood he, hmm. he had one for a long time he says that apparently the hard tops are like uh, rocking horse um whatnot and, and uh so you're lucky not to have your hard top swiped, you know, in the middle of the night when you're, if you leave it. Oh, in really? Oh, didn't, who knew? Who knew? Um, yeah, I really like them. I would still quite fancy one, but I'd want it to be a bit more rigid. And if somebody did an automated manual conversion, because if you look on the owners' forums, they'll all go, no, 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 you're just not using it properly. That's yeah, all. They it's do. Just, just That's character. what they say. It's yeah. character. You just need to get. Actually, into I think it. Gary said that. Yeah. And there, and and in fairness, there is a. There is a technique, but the fact is, you know, it's nothing like a proper gearbox, is it? No. And your trouble for you, of course, is that a smart roadster would not fit. I have now sneaked a look in your garage and it wouldn't Mm. fit, mate. No, it wouldn't. (laughs) No, but are they well... I don't know how well 
they are resistant to corrosion, actually, whether it could live outside. But you're right, it, Just would, about, not, it right. would not fit in the garage. I, would, I mean, uh, it's got to be better. Well, it's got to be better than a Hillman Implorer Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, yeah. So they can stay indoors. I think those chickens might have to give away. They might have to. <laughs> well, yeah, they might have to. Uh, it was no, uh, yes, we have more chickens than I was actually expecting to, but two arrived as a as a birthday present unexpected in a box at one point in a box in the kitchen yeah <laughs> great story um so the gma t33 when do we see that mate is that the t50 arrives first does it the really fast one yes i think he's well into making t50s and the t33 oh. is a the t33 is a is a sort of slightly calmer version of it in mm. effect you know it uses a lot of the <clears throat> bit same engine and so forth it's even lighter um oh really but uh, because, because it doesn't no have fan the fan car all. stuff, yeah. okay. um, and it's a it's a side by side car rather than a, a central seat. Oh, I see. Um, but it's closely related mm. and got the same beautiful Cosworth, you know, tiny capacity four liter um, V twelve. Yeah. Um, so I think that's about a year behind. Okay. Do we know pricing? Um, we do, but I've forgotten. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> but I. it's in the millions. You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot. Sort of it? They're both a lot, aren't they? They're one and a half. It's yeah. It's. I can think. I can safely say it's beyond you and me, mate. Yeah, probably me. Yeah, probably. I'll stick to the smart roadster. <laughs> uh, of well, more affordable nature. Then I've been intrigued because you've spent a lot, uh, well, a, a bit of time this year in the Wells Vitige. Yeah, I went I to see them not. just the other day. That <laughs> the thing that is so uplifting about this thing, apart from the fact that it looks beautiful. And it's been very thoroughly engineered by a guy called uh, Robin, another Robin, mm. Robin Hall, who's a, a well-known engineer of low-volume cars. He's worked on all kinds of things, military stuff. He's currently going to, you know, talking about electric beach buggy and all kinds of things. Oh, cool. Just one of those people that can do it. Mm. Beautiful things. Um, but everything they do is convincing. So... When they tell you that it's going to be ready to do, you know, the next phase will be such and such, it, it, you, you kind of bring them up in that week and it's, lo and it behold, there. it's ready. Yeah. And just down the road from, they're not far from Gaydon, a place called Bishop's Itchington. Oh, yeah. They've taken over some farm buildings and are, they're turning them into what I think you could reasonably view as a, a sort of mini McLaren. It's going to be, the, you know, this real... Uh, you know, surgical cleanliness of, um, and they're going to make twenty-five, two, you know, one every two weeks. Okay. And I keep saying, um, because you and I are so used to talking to people who've got big ideas and and not can't usually follow through. With yeah. it, and it was, I keep saying, yeah, but you know, you must be really trying to make two hundred, and they and they, and they say no, two two a week. That's they're already sold. The first the, the the first year's production is a thing called the Founders Edition. Right. And when they've sold those, which will be, I think they're going to start in the middle of this year and go, th- obviously go a year, then they'll just start taking more. The the, the bloke behind it, Robin Wells, is one, just one of those blokes who's extremely well off, hmm. doesn't need to make, a, I mean, I'm sure he'd like this to be profitable, but he doesn't, it's not, you know, his, his, his livelihood isn't hanging on it. So he can he can just do it well. And it's... Every in every detail, it's it's a joy. I it, and it's a you small, need to go in it. And it's a, it's a two seat. Yep, two mid, wing, mid-engine. two seat, gull wing, mm-hmm. fixed head, transverse, two liter Ford. You know about two hundred and something horsepower. Weighs under 
under a thousand, eight, oh, wow. eight eighty or something. Yeah. So, so despite the, you know, the fact that it hasn't got you know heaps of horsepower, it goes like clappers anyway. That sounds really good. And it and it's it looks lovely, I think. And it, it's entirely Robin Wells' own design. He's a musician. He's a rather arty bloke. And mm. and what he did was just to work away at it, work away at it until he. Taking influence from all the great cars of the 60s that he really likes, modernising it a bit, and finishing up with this beautiful shape. That's really cool. And it doesn't... What I like is it's not, as you say, we, we sp- when we speak to Simon Saunders, and he gets occasionally... of Ariel Motor Company, who yeah. are the director and founder of that, he occasionally gets called up by people, doesn't he, and says, Simon, will you come and chat to us about this new supercar project that we've got going on? And he sort of rolls his eyes and goes to see them, and they say, yeah, we're going to make... The thousand a year, they're going to go to the moon on a tank of fuel yeah, well, and do three thousand miles an hour. Be better than a Ferrari and half the price. That's it. Just, you know, and we've just... got modest ambitions. Only two hundred and fifty <laughs> in the first year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to find somebody who says no, we make you know we'll make a couple of dozen. That's we're, all right. We're going to do what we can do. They're saying. Yeah. You know what? Robin Hall, the engineer, is extremely clever bloke and and well used to making such cars. And and Robin Wells, the the, the financier and backbone is mm. it's just a bloke with realistic aspirations really good good well i look forward to that in 2023 mate really well you'll be in it yeah I'll, you know, I'll they won't want to you know, sort of hack like me driving it mate they'll no. you they'll they'll want somebody proper wheel man like yourself. The protesters i would think uh cool thank you steve we will take a short advertising break and we will be right back hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, welcome back to My Week in Cars. You can write to us. If you do, uh, send an email to autocar at haymarket.com and Ronald Hurianto, who is an automotive and transport design graduate from Coventry University, has done that about my column last week. Because I said, uh, this house that we're sitting in now is five miles from Bicester and there's no bus. And when I moved in here eight, nine years ago, whenever it was, there was a bus that went into the Bicester in the morning and there was one that came back in the afternoon, which, you know, is not much use to most people. So the, so the county council went, well, we can't subsidise this service, doesn't work. So we've got an idea, we'll have one bus a week. <laughs> Goes in Thursday morning, calls it, calls it, uh, calls, calls outside the, you know, the bus stop near the pub at 10.45 in the morning. Takes 25 minutes to get into town, get your stuff done, you know. Pension day, I presume. Pre- presumably. It was a Thursday. I don't know if that is pension day anymore. But, you know, it comes back, it gets back at 1.30 in the afternoon. So you've got to be back at the one bus stop it, stay, it stops at Thursday. This is a town of 35,000 people. And, you know, I'm an hour's walk from it. There isn't, you know, there is no public transport. Anyway, so Ronald said, 
on the basis of this chat. Uh, he's currently working on a project that would essentially replace buses for satellite villages and remote towns. To make it financially viable, it would also couple as a moving cargo locker, a bit like an Amazon locker that allows companies like Uber Eats, Amazon and the like to use it instead of sending their own drivers to every corner of the village and town. It'd be smaller than a bus, therefore cheaper to produce and run. If I might ask, if a solution like this comes to your area, what would you want it to do? What would it want it to be available? So um, I thought about this over the past few days and... Uh, and I've spoken to Ron, it's in my column of in the mag, which is the double issue, first double issue, makes you know, an excellent present subscription to Autocar. <laughs> anyway, the column is in there, and the more I think about it, I, well, I'd want it to be coming to my house, or pretty close to my house. Yeah. It would need to stop for long enough that I can load whatever I've got in and out. You know, if I've got to, if I've got to go from, I might be going to the office, say, and then I might go shopping, and then I might go to the gym, and then come back. So I'd need to carry enough stuff for all of those things. Sometimes might carry a bicycle or, a, you know, or, or I, mean, I wouldn't, but people might want a push chair or their dog or, or whatever they've got to take to work, some kit and stuff like that. Um, so it's probably just for me or maybe for one, two other people if it stopped on route and picked them up or whatever. But yeah. uh, it would presumably have to be undriven by anybody else because that's just the expensive bit. Otherwise, yeah. just get a taxi anyway, basically, isn't it? But drivers are expensive, which is the reason buses are expensive. You know. So this is autonomous, this thing. Is well, it would have to be, I think, wouldn't it? Don't yeah, I suppose so, mate. I, yeah. I guess, because otherwise it's just a, you know, these things exist. And but just, just that is a problem, isn't it, in the country? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would think so. I mean, you've been to, to this house, which is just off of a very busy main road, which means it would have to drive onto private property and be adept enough to, to do that. It's not geo-mapped or anything like that, but it would have to pull out of a restricted visibility junction, junction onto yeah. a 50 mile an hour road Ooh, so it's all a bit it's quite hairy but anyway if it just went to the village if it went to one spot in the village that would be something you know yeah. it's 10 minute walk away that would be you know that would be stifled. but the more I the more I think about it I go oh what is this thing looking like the more and more it just looks like my car yeah <laughs> in the end yeah, yeah. you know ultimately honestly I I've, I've, I find I saw this letter as well now I, I was um it just made me think that that what we need to do is, or or a a line of thought would be simply to try and streamline the the, the personal transport system. Mm. You know, make the car smaller, make sort out the the business of of um, park and ride, which which I believe in. I must say, I use in Oxford and Bath. Um, make parking, make it cars small enough to park. Try and avoid congestion in. The places where congestion grows up, and so on, and and avoid having cars idling at, but at um, at intersections and so on. It seems to me that the the moment the people who design the transport system are spiteful. They are they they want you to suffer. They think yeah. that if you suffer enough, you know, you will get out your roller yeah, skates. Yeah, eventually you'll give it up and you'll get on a bus. But That's you what won't. They think. You won't. How can you? And I, you know, where I live is not as not quite as as um, remote as this, but it is a small village, and it's mm. and it's again about five miles from the town. And and uh, I just wouldn't occur to me to get on the bus because I just don't know. You know, it runs twice a day, and I've got a railway station in my mm. in my village. I I, just, I think it's I think what what we need is an outbreak of sense, and you know, people to try and make personal transport work better. Mm. I believe in the park and ride system. I do I do yeah. think it's good, but yeah. interestingly. You know, a friend of mine or one of my neighbours tried to go to Bath last weekend and, and found that the park and ride had been shut because it was full. 
So she had driven 25 miles and got there, and there was just this (laughs) sign that said, Don't come in here, mate. You know, (laughs) and now you're scuffered. Now you are scuffered. (laughs) Yeah, and I just think so. I mean, I'm using Bicester as an example because it's where I live, but it could be any hundred of village town yeah. around the country. Yeah. As as your yeah. as our correspondent says, you know, he, he's trying to design for all these satellites. Yeah, 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 all of these places. Yeah, and there's so they're put, they're putting in three thousand houses around here, but there is no there's an upgrade to a junction here and there, but there is not an improved road network to get these cars no. out of the way. And you know, the best or a car park on the edge of town. Yeah, where you could go. So if I do want to take the train from here, which I occasionally do, then I've uh, got to go into and park at yeah. the, the station. And if I didn't have to do that, that would be much better, you know, which, yeah. is, which is expensive. So in the end, you just go, oh, well, I'll just drive. I think yeah. the departure point has to be, what do these people need? Mm. And, and that isn't, the, the city fathers are, are inclined to think, what would we like? Mm. That's different. That's mm. entirely different. Yeah. The, uh, I'll never forget, I'll stop in there because I rattle on too much about this, but Richard Parry Jones, the great Ford engineer, once observed that the the people who run transport operate the only business that he was ever aware of that actively set out to cheese off the customers. Everybody else that has a business thinks, how can I attract people? How can I make life easier for them? How can I make them buy my you know, widgets? What these people do is is set out to make life hard. Hmm. It's madness. It is, yeah. Yeah, but I'm intrigued. So sorry, Ronald, I haven't answered your question very much of what I would like, but basically to be as much like a car as it possibly can be. Yeah, it's a tough gig, It's Ronald. a really tough yeah. But if I've, and, it, and also, if I've got to have a car anyway, is it then better to have another bunch of cars or remote pods or whatever if I've, if I've got a car, you know, because at some point most people around here are going to have one. I so you want to give them something else that does what their car will do some of the time or you would make it easy for them to use their car the rest of the time I, m- I remember the there's a column this week I remember there's a column this week in the Times about um, the renewed success of the Airbus A380 because oh, it can indeed, carry yeah. so many people Yeah. and although it uses more fuel per passenger than some of the other aircraft actually if the fact that you put on one aircraft rather than two and you only have to service it once and blah 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 think about this if you've got a car anyway if you just make life easier for that car Maybe you don't have to build a load of other things. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to build another load of pods that need energy and yeah. really a new south time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the answer it is. It ain't easy. Maybe. It's not. No, it's not. But it needs better brains bent to it than we have in the odd in in the in in the usual town hall. I think. I think so. Yeah, I suspect so. Yeah, Oxford's problem, as it's near here, is that the air quality is pretty terrible. Yeah, and most places with bad air quality are, are near the coast, they're near ports, actually a lot of them, a lot of the top 20, about, about half, I think, that have poor air quality, have docks nearby, which is no surprise because ships are pretty, you know, pretty nasty for uh, for emissions and particulates. But Oxford is a strange case, I mean, it does have, it sort of sits in a, it's quite well sheltered, it's not the windiest place in the world, I suppose, is it? and it does have bad congestion. So I, I get that Oxford does have issues, but Oxford City Council is desperate for people to not bring vehicles in yeah so the detriment you would think of some of the businesses that are there which is problematic really yeah it's i i don't know yeah difficult yeah it is difficult because we've got cities that were designed a thousand years ago and you know transport yeah. from 100 years ago some of them are quite nice even so some of them are quite nice <laughs> nonetheless <laughs> so that's my column should we go back to yours for a for sure a yeah and uh, let's talk uh what should we talk about so drive it day um 
With the British Motor Museum. That yeah, was a new, well, a new venture this year, wasn't it? Yeah, they just uh, they want to get some of the cars out and give. Mm. They've got a new members scheme, and and a way of pleasing the members is to get out some of the cars and drive them around. And they had Huey, the original production Land Rover. They had. Oh, yeah. The first Mini, they had, a, I think, the first or last MGB, but and they had this mad-ass 6R4 that I, I I was driven in, and I was quite happy not to drive it, I tell you. So who drives the Metro 6R4? Well, they've, the, they've got these these rather expert mechanics that that, uh, that maintain the cars and, mm. and get to know them very well. They can drive everything from the, you know, the 1902 um, whatnot mobile to... to uh, something potent but this uh they just sort of hurl you around the car park for a bit and then but it was i don't know how much i fancy that well i was just gonna say to you you know because you're you know you're much more of a driver than i am what what do you make of being driven i mean this was good because it ended and it was noisy <laughs> and i liked it but if i'd had to go for 20 minutes i would have been discomposed really i'm not a massive fan but it depends on well, one. It depends on the quality of who's driving me. I think, and yeah. then the second is it uh, is the nature of the driving we're doing. Because when we do road tests, which I don't do so often as the the road test desk anymore, but occasionally I do, and we go off to Myra or Milbrook Proving Ground. And at Myra, there's a wet and a dry handling circuit, and we take a respective relative lap time. And the idea is, oh, preferably you you do it two up if you can. Um, and I know the road testers, and I trust them implicitly, and I yeah. still hate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still absolutely hate it. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes on trips and events, you know, they'll say, "Oh, we've got a tame racing driver. Do you want to do a couple of passenger laps while they show you what it can do?" Yeah. I don't. I mean, I quite often say no, thanks. I mean, well, you know, I'd be in awe of it, and it'd be fantastic. But I would just be scared and going for the imaginary brake pedal. The acceleration has got out of hand. I think. You know, I, I've got a. I've. I found that after the Tesla Sprint a while ago. The, the thing that I borrowed, I did this Abingdon Airfield Sprint, and mm. we, you know, we, well, I was with three other blokes in Teslas. I was the slowest, but I was, you know, well up the field. I think I beat eighty-eight out of a hundred of them, mm. and the other fellas were even faster. But the thing is, these cars can do that. A Tesla Model Three Performance, which they had, I didn't have. Mine, mine was a miserable four and a half, naught to sixty. <laughs> but I find more than about four seconds, naught to sixty scrambles my brain these days mm. it's three and a half so fast it, it, it it's sort of um it's slightly you know you leave your head behind yeah yeah but that's that's an old person speaking i think no i'm not sure if it is true. i think i think that is true and i think also in an electric car because we are so conditioned have we talked about this in the podcast or have i talked about this to somebody else I don't know. we're so conditioned to the noise yeah that when you don't have the noise your brain can't quite cope with it in the same way that if you um, if you click your fingers in front of somebody's eyes they will blink yeah. and you do that a certain amount of times they will blink and then if you take your hand away from them but you just click your fingers they will still blink because the brain gets conditioned to yeah, matching really. noise with the with with the thing that makes it blink and if you take that away it just goes I can't quite work that out so if you have the acceleration with noise and then you have the acceleration without the noise the brain doesn't quite know what to do with it right yeah well it's my understanding the thing about this 6r4 is it sounded like oh a, i bet that sounds the world had ended and and uh 
And and there was certainly a hell of an announcement before it got going, I'll yeah, tell you. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of tire scream and grind. It was great. It, the thing about so excellent about this car is it's not just any old 6R4. It is the original 6R4. Oh, really? So it's got, you know, cut and shut engine block and all oh, kinds of goodness. funny stuff in it. So it's a... A, pro, a legal prototype of that? Yeah, I, yeah I, think it's, I think it's legal. That's pretty good. But it's it? crude, I yeah, must I'll say. Yeah, I bet it is. I'll you know, there's it. just this tin interior with everything vibrating. It's, it's, cool. It, it is a good thing, I must say. Um, karma, then, and... Uh, but still, yeah, I say karma, but probably faster. Actually, I suspect if you got them on the road, you wouldn't... The 6R4 wouldn't see which way it went. One of your favourite cars of the year is the Porsche Taycan Cross Turismo. Yeah, I, I think I'd have one of those. Mm. I, I mean, I know it, it, we would run into the problem we were talking about, size and you know congestion issues and so on, but mm. I just love how I feel when I'm in them. And, and one of the things that uh, Porsche have managed to do and others in the electric car racket have not is, is to just make it feel like a Porsche, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, totally. And I particularly like the Cross Turismo, not because... It's you know there's there's an argument that says a bit more practical so you can take your you you know your sort of three Labradors in the back or something I haven't got three Labradors but I just like the lines of it but I I, I particularly like how I feel in the damn car you yeah. know and and I want to be reassured that in the electric car era I will continue to feel like that and there they've done it mm. and that that is a major achievement for me I, I think so yeah I think so because that car's rival biggest rival is probably porsche's own panamera i would guess yeah and if you gave me the choice i would probably take a Taycan. anyway yeah and i'm not sure when i think about other cars that are available ice and ev unless i had to have or for tax reasons i needed or i particularly wanted for my use case an ev if you if it just came down to which was nicer to drive i'm not sure that many cars yeah the ev is the choice but in the Taycan, i think it probably probably is over yeah. Panamera I just think it's a nicer car I've got this memory of driving along with a steering committee in this car she's just as impressed as me incidentally she is a bit susceptible to Porsches but but not as sort of nutty about cars as I am but we were just having this discussion about how how in fact how they've actually achieved it because you know them it's a lot of subtle stuff to make a car so different mm. feel like a traditional Porsche yeah Great achievement, I think. It is, and also the Audi e-tron variant, e-tron GT, that feels mm. like an Audi. And given they are like a fast Audi, like an RS Audi, you know, given they are so effectively similar underneath, and I don't know why it should make more of a difference than I think it will in an internally combusted car. I don't know because so many internally combusted cars share platforms but feel different. Why yeah. do I? Why do I expect that an Audi will feel? like the Porsche Taycan but it doesn't it feels like a, a fast Audi and the Porsche feels like a, a fast Porsche which yeah what, uh, what um, my missus was the theory was that you know they start with all the places that your body touches the car you know your mm. bum your fingers you know your your, your elbows on the armrests and so on and, and and concentrate on making those extremely like um, the, the Porsches and Audis that, mm. or Audis that you remember and then make sure that switch gear and instrument uh, graphics and things like that all work and it yeah. anyway it works for me yeah me too yeah me too yeah is that your favorite car this year yes it is what about, what's your favorite car this year oh i don't know well uh, i've got two 
two options probably, which is the Morgan Super Three, which oh, I love mate. because because of the product design oh. elements of it, and because it's gets more beautiful every time you look at it. That yeah, car, it's just, it's just special. It's like watching a favourite film, and you notice something different every time. You know, I just so I really enjoy that. And uh, the second one is a is probably a Toyota GR eighty six, which yeah. is my sort of car, the right weight, the right size, the right uh, the right power, and so on and so forth. But Fantastic achievement for the money, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, I think because so. I look at the Alpine, which costs more, mm. quite a lot more, and it doesn't achieve that much more. And you know, I I am persuaded by the Alpine, but boy, you don't have to get a lot out of the Toyota. Yeah, and the new Honda Civic Type R I drove last week has been priced at forty-seven thousand quid, mm. which is loads. I think you know. So, so when it comes to, but it would be very limited in supply because uh, because of the uh, corporate average fuel economy regulations. So there won't be many coming in. And when you consider the GR86 against that, you start to think, yeah, okay, I know the GR has got less power, but it's as much fun to drive for me, yeah. and it's the right thing. I don't very often have your configurator syndrome where I <laughs> where I sit down and I think, God, how much how much could I could I? But yeah, the GR86 is is that sort of car that nags at me and th- got me thinking, maybe maybe you should buy a new internally combusted sports yeah. car at some point. And I must say that car, the, the thing it 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 leaves me with nice warm feelings about Toyota that car mm. because, you know, I look at it and I think and I look at the price and I look at what it achieves and how much pleasure it seems to be giving people, and I I, I do th- I do think their their sort of their ethics are are good. Toyota, I, I, we, I don't know whether we give them enough credit day to day because I, I, I think Accio and Co are really doing their best for the yeah. car enthusiast. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, led from the top by by, yeah. by an enthusiast. I think. Yeah. yeah, which is good. Excellent. Well, Steve, thank you. That pretty much brings us to the end of this week's pod. Uh, the magazine is not back next week, but the current issue is on sale for a fortnight. It is the Christmas double issue. We recommend it to you greatly. It's got a Christmas road test of the Isle of Wight Holcroft, hey. which I will talk more about next week, I think. In next oh, I'm looking coming. forward to that. It's I... cool. It's just... God, I love hovercraft. They're so cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's good. hope they, they um, live forever, those things. Yeah, I guess totally. they will. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a bit of a niche product and probably always will be. But the... Does it feel... Just ask me one question. Does it feel fast? Yeah. Although you sit quite high, so it doesn't feel as fast as it would if it were a speedboat, I suspect, because you sit right on top of the passenger compartment. I don't know how far you're off off the, off the, off the floor. Yeah. Probably seven or eight metres off the floor, I guess. Maybe more. Well, yeah, maybe seven or eight. Um, but it does. I mean, it does 50-odd miles an hour, 40-odd yeah, yeah. knots. Oh, I want to hear more. So, yeah, that's cool. So that's out now. And then Rotest Yearbook will be out on the 21st and 28th. Um, but we will be back with a podcast every Wednesday regardless. So we'll be talking other stuff and possibly even to other people. So uh, stay with us for that. Remember, you can write to us um, via email autocar at haymarket.com. You can find us autocar.co.uk. You can find us over on the YouTube where there is an 800,000 strong subscriber channel. Latest review is the Civic Type R and then Britain's Best Drivers Cars videos are going to go up uh, over the next two weeks they were the feature we did in November you can also get Autocar on digital subscription and in shops every week as it has been since 1895 and a lot of the features and Stephen my column that's the only place you will read them so subscribe to the mag even though Christmas is almost upon us it's not too late 
Great stuff. All right. And until next week, thanks, Steve. Cheers, mate. Cheers for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.